Blog Talk Radio. Every time I try to like fade it out manually, all of a sudden it just like cuts out. You've tuned into Pop Life. Thank you all for tuning in tonight. Our, our late night show where we examine all the goings ons in pop culture. Uh, we we hit just about everything, and, and we think here we give kind of a unique take on the pop culture. You want to give us a call three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. We're we're going to hit a lot of things tonight. So anything going on in pop culture you want to talk about? Give us a call, and if you happen to be a little bit shy, head on over to Facebook. TKRS presents Pop Life, and we got a, a chat thread going on right there. So uh, give us some stuff you want to talk about on the, the thread, and maybe if, it, if, it's, if it's insightful and, and smart and thought-provoking, then just maybe, just maybe we'll mention it. Because, you know, Todd, we, we are very thoughtful, smart, and, and uh insightful here that's right anything that you have to talk about we'll have to talk about if you want to bring up a topic online we're happy to start a conversation maybe we'll get callers based on your topic maybe we'll have our own insights but you know we're here uh able to talk about anything and everything pop culture and there certainly will be a lot on the uh on our plate tonight and as we've talked about here this is kind of our you know this is a a labor of love, so to speak, and Todd and I, we go way back, uh, and, and a lot of these pop culture conversations uh, wind up being conversations that we've just had to each other, and we're like, we should be doing this with microphones in front of us. So here we go. And now we're cool, doing it. And the cool thing is, like, it, it becomes a, kind of the once a month where Todd and I just get together and kind of hang out, and we force you all to listen to us. So <laughs> it's great to have you here. Todd, how you been this week? What have you been up to? What's going on with you? Uh, you know, this week has been, uh, it's been tough already. It's the uh, opening week of Major League Baseball. <laughs> and as a Met fan, as we both are Met fans, and it, it's been difficult already. I was at opening day yesterday. The Mets, as usual, uh, found a way to tear my heart out early. And they're usually a good opening day team. But first off, I was in my car. Staring at City Field, uh, easily an hour and 15, 20 minutes before game time. I was in my seat in the fifth inning. It was That's that crazy. was a hell of an experience. And what kills me is the Mets have Cirque du Soleil in their parking lot. They've set up tents. They have a show, and they took their parking away. Maybe from games 2 through 162, they don't have people at the stadium. <laughs> but I don't care, because opening day, 
I could not get to my seat, and I ended up parking. For those of you New Yorkers know, I was in Flushing Meadows, way far on the other end. I was next to the Whitestone Expressway, and I took a shuttle, and I walked, and it was a hell of an experience. And meanwhile, they gave me an extra inning, you know, for my troubles, <laughs> and the Mets managed to blow it in the ninth and the tenth inning. So that's been my week so far. You know, winding up as a sports fan, I know we're here to talk pop culture, but as a sports fan... Uh, you know, my Rangers are doing well and hopefully going to make the playoffs. The Knicks are making things exciting, but it's the wind-up of those seasons, the start of baseball season, where things will start to drag. And we really can focus on pop culture at this point, you know, for us sports fans. And to people like me and Ken who, who don't watch uh, college basketball and the NCAA tournament is just a distraction, you know, it's really just the wind-up of basketball season, the uh, slow beginning to baseball season. And, of course, things like the end of TV shows, the beginning of summer movies, and that's what we're here to talk about tonight. Hey, man. You know, it's, it's amazing. I, I mean, like game one. I mean, can't you give us some – I mean, even like, you know what, go out there and lose 10 nothing. Right. But, no, you got to go and make us a little bit optimistic. Hey, have a good game. Blow the lead in the ninth and, and lose in the tenth. So, it's you know, it, it, it's going to be a long haul for us <laughs> as, as Mets fans. We've learned to suffer and. You know, yeah, we sports are part of pop culture, and we try to hit everything. You know, we're not your typical access Hollywood BS, like who's wearing what. I mean, we examine everything to do with pop culture. And as much as, like, perhaps for us our baseball season began and ended yesterday, um, one of the big seasons that happens right now around this time of year is that we, we start to see TV shows ending. It's, it's season finale season right <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> a little redundant but yes and and you know series finales are occurring now and we'll we'll put it out there right now this is a discussion show man up out there you know there's going to be spoilers here because we're going to talk about stuff that happened and, and probably the biggest series finale uh last night how i met your mother now i'm going to be honest here todd a fan I watch the show sporadically, but not enough to run to watch the finale. But I have found it interesting that the reaction I have found for this, a sitcom, has been very polarizing. Some people absolutely loved it, and some people very viscerally hated it. So you're a fan. You watched the finale. Again, spoiler alert, but Todd, I'm curious, what were your thoughts on How I Met Your Mother? Yes, and very big time. We're, we're not here to spoil things. This is last night, so the warning is out there. If you want to turn down your volume for the next five minutes, go ahead and do that. But uh, things ended very unusually on this show, and we were talking before we came on the air about some uh, series finales that were not well-liked. Seinfeld was the one that Ken brought up. I happen to have enjoyed the finale. A lot of people didn't. Uh, people had their thoughts on shows like Lost. You know, this was one where the, the episode itself was very enjoyable until the last two minutes when they really blew everything up and, and turned off a lot of people. What, what happened was, you know, the series is all about, obviously, how character Ted met his wife, the mother of his children. And um, I guess, you know, for nine years, they nominally were talking about that. He was narrating uh, in the year 2030 to his children this, this long, winding story. Now, we had a very interesting final season that was set over one weekend. 
this is the weekend when the characters Barney and Robin were getting married. And they used flashbacks and flashforwards, but it was set in one place. So to begin with, we had something very unusual. Did you see any of this last season, Ken? I, I did not. I, you know, I, again, I read a lot of write-ups. I, I, you know, I heard it was it was interesting because it all took place in, in one weekend, which is definitely unique, artistically speaking. Um, but again, it was one of those shows for me. And I know it's funny that it was it was it was strung together, obviously, with this running theme, uh, which happened to be the title of the show: How He Met His How How He Met His Mother, How He Met the Mother of His Children, How He Met Their Mother. That was the theme of the show. How I Met Your Mother and um, Their Mother. But I found the show uh, enjoyable in an episodic way. Right. So I never really followed, I never really cared about the story. Uh, it just was something that every, so when I turned it on, I would enjoy it. But it was funny. I never actually enjoyed it enough to say, oh, my God, I have to make sure I watch it next week. It was just something that... Right. If I had a half hour and, and I was flipping the channels just to kill and it was on, I would sit and watch it for a while, but we never really got into it. Well, that, that was kind of the whole point of last night. This was – it was a great run. It was a very enjoyable sitcom in an episodic way, and even though the title of the show is How I Met Your Mother, basically over most of the run of this show – you would end up every episode saying, what, what this has nothing to do with how he met their mother? This was a story about him hanging out with his friends in you know, the year 2006, 2010, 2014, whatever it was, as the series went on, just telling these stories. And he would refer to, you know, once in a while, he'd say, and so kids, you know, that's how I met your uh, Uncle Barney. That's what happened with me and your Aunt Robin, him, you know, him and his friends hanging out. So here comes the big spoiler. Once again, here's the warning. This last episode last night went through for an hour everything that happened after the wedding of those two characters, Barney and Robin. And he's going for another six years telling, you know, well, he and his uh, girlfriend and eventually wife having children and other characters getting jobs and losing jobs. And one of the things that happened, which was the, you know, really should have been warning signals going off, you hadn't heard anything up to that point, was that Barney and Robin, after three years, got divorced. Now, remember, the entire ninth season of the show is set at their wedding. And then, fairly early on in the episode, oh, and they're divorced. So there was the warning signal. I'm starting to think, wait a minute, they're not going to do something with Robin because Ted had had a romantic past with Robin over the, the run of the show. Well, we get towards the end, and we're getting you know the stories of you know what's happened with the characters. And then he says out of the blue, and you know this blah, 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 even when your mother got sick. What? When she got sick? Oh, and, you know, by the way, your mother's dead. <laughs> now, the kids knew this. It had been six years in the show that she had been gone. So he finishes his story, and his daughter says, he winds up and says, so, kids, that's the story of how I met your mother. And his daughter calls him out right away and says, what? No, it's not. This is how you still have the hots for Aunt Robin. And dun, dun, dun! Right? We're going, wait a minute, what? Now, this was true through the course of the show. They were, you know, the, the will they, will, won't they, the love triangles and all that. But first off, remember, the entire ninth season was about the marriage of Robin and someone else. And number two, they've been calling her Aunt Robin in the future segments for nine years. And all of a sudden, you have the hots for, and I quote, Aunt Robin. That sounds a little unusual. But, obviously, they contrived something here. The mother, who we were all working up to meeting, well, now she's dead, and Ted is going to wind up with Robin. So, a great final episode. 
we got a lot of, you know, funny stuff, a lot of emotional stuff, and then all of a sudden, in the last couple of minutes, they made a lot of enemies, people who had invested a lot of time and energy into this show. I don't know if anyone out there has their own thoughts on it. As Ken said, he saw polarizing comments. I, I'm not going to change my opinion of the show, the season, or the episode based on those last couple of minutes, but certainly, you know, controversial. Your thoughts? You know, it's funny because I, I, I do think that a lot of shows, they, they, they're painted into a corner and it's very difficult to end a show correctly. And, and you may like that. I mean, I, personally, and maybe this will generate people, I, I, th- I think Seinfeld is incredibly overrated. I don't, I don't get it. I, I really don't get the whole, like, you know, people going gaga. I mean, it had its moments and... You know, maybe I'm a little biased, but the the Spitter episode with the Mets and and like that right. that I think is classic and it's it's you know great written episode. But I, I never got it with Seinfeld, and I consequently I didn't think the final episode was very good. Um, but well, I, I I hear that like it, it's difficult sometimes to satisfy everybody when you're bringing however many years to a close. Now the final episode of Seinfeld is tough to love at all if you're not a fan of the show because it was so much a Let's bring back anybody and everybody who's ever been on the show for a guest spot. And the reason they all brought that together was this trial of the main characters. Whether or not you like that, you know, if you're a fan of the show is one thing. But if you weren't a fan of the show, then you don't even have that nostalgia factor for each one of the guest stars. So I can understand that being an issue. Um, And, you know, with Seinfeld, it's funny because they always went with that tagline, the show about nothing. Well, that's what bothered me about the last episode, to be perfectly honest. No, I wasn't nostalgic, but my favorite part of Seinfeld was everybody else. I really didn't like those four. Okay. I found them very annoying to be around. Uh, there, there were people that if like if I hung out with a group of friends that they were in, I would change my group of friends. Like, like you're I didn't, not supposed to want to hang out with those people. I, and I get that, but but I didn't want to watch them either. Like right. I wanted nothing to do with them. I like Putty. I found hilarious. Okay. I, I liked the characters. But when you said it was a show about nothing. And as we go off on the Seinfeld yeah. tangent, but I just thought that final episode was, wow, it was such a contrived, I, it just, I don't know, I, it just didn't really resonate with me. Well, so much of the run of the show did that. It was a show about nothing early on, and it became a show about everything. They, they had so many little things that went into every plot, and it was great when they came together, and, you know, but all these, these different devices that they would bring into each show... It was a show about so much. You know, maybe there was no, it was nothing emotionally. Uh, maybe there was no real continuing storyline about the characters and development. But it was certainly not a show about nothing. And the final episode was obviously anything but. They they threw everything in there. But yeah, you know, it's. Yeah, I'm going to go off on another tangent. <laughs> People who you wouldn't want to hang out with. Well, maybe, maybe not. You know, Kramer was funny and Jerry was witty and observational. The one person in the group that you probably wouldn't want to spend any time with was George Costanza. And then when Curb Your Enthusiasm came along, and this was a show about Larry David, whom the character of George Costanza was based on, that was tough for me to enjoy in the beginning because that was really a show all about a person who I could not stand. I I came around, and it's uncomfortable at times, but I enjoy that show. But I understand what you're saying. Sometimes they are characters that you don't want to be around, and so maybe don't even want to watch or spend a half hour with. And I think it's, you know, the, the series finale is 
a relatively new phenomenon. I mean, when you go back, and there have been classic shows that didn't get that final climactic episode. You have, you have classics here. I mean, I remember seeing an interview with uh, um, Sherman Hemsley. Okay. And, and hearing he just, he, he actually opened up Variety and found out that Jefferson's was canceled. Oh, and, that, wow. and that was it. That was the end of the show. Um, you know, nowadays, you know, I mean, if a series lasts three, four seasons, if it's going to end, it's going to have that series finale. Right. Um, I hope so, at least. Yeah, which is something that, again, is, you know, relatively new. I guess almost probably in our lifetime that it's become a consistent thing that, that if, if it's a moderately successful series, you're going to get that series finale. But again, it's, it's a difficult thing to embody what a show is all about. As far as sitcoms go, one of my favorite series finales that I think kind of nailed it was Cheers. Oh, yeah, I absolutely. think Cheers was a phenomenal final episode. But you do find that, that a lot of these shows, when they do these series finales, uh, they kind of wind up falling flat. But I found How I Met Your Mother interesting because I don't know, if, especially with sitcoms, if I could think of a more polarizing ending, maybe like the, the Newhart show, his right. second show, when it turned out the entire series was a dream, right. I thought it was very clever. A lot of people didn't like it. We didn't have social media at the time, so I don't know what the blow-up would have been on social media. Oh, can you imagine what would have but, happened with that one? So, I mean, maybe that would be something that could, you know, kind of come close to the polarizing effect that How I Met Your Mother. But I'm curious, like, if you were going to – I mean, you're talking about it. It sounds like you're not going to give it an F. No. But do you give it an A plus? Is it something that's kind of a C? Was it a B? Do you give it an A? Like where would you, you know, look at that as far as how it wrapped up the show, and and just an I mean you said it was an enjoyable episode, but I'm curious as far as a series finale, what your thoughts are? You know, the episode itself was certainly a solid A, and I know that's a high mark, but it was great. I really enjoyed everything up until minute 54 or whatever it was, and at that point. I didn't turn around like some other people and say, oh, my God, this is awful. I can't believe they did this to me. I just turned to my wife and said, that's a little weird, isn't it? Like, that's just unusual. Do they really just do that? So I didn't hate it, but the, the very end might have lowered that grade for me. And it's hard to put a letter on that at that point. You know, was the entire thing a B because the ending was weird? Yeah, yeah that's about right. You know, uh, the show... The run was great. I enjoy watching it in reruns. You know, it's one of those where I can't remember certain, some of the things that came up way early on. And, uh, oh, I remember that one now. I forgot about this old girlfriend and all that. Um, well, they brought back a lot of that. Actually, they did a lot of that in the last couple of episodes. Not the final one, but the two previous. They uh, caught up with some of the, the old guest stars. Like I said, in the second to last episode, we finally got the wedding of two of the characters. And that last one was, let's keep going down the road. Let's cover, you know, six years in this hour, and then we'll jump ahead another ten. And, oh, by the way, you know, your mom's dead, and I'm going to date your aunt. <laughs> Great stuff. You know, and this is when we talk about getting on there with social media, following the show on Facebook. You know, we got, uh, we got some callers on hold. We're going to get to you. But our buddy Dank is on there, and he's on the Facebook. And as we, we spawn off from How I Met Your Mother into just talking – Series finales, and it, another interesting one, which I didn't think of, but Dank is on the line. We're going to pull him up right now. Dank, you brought up a very interesting – first of all, how are you doing tonight? 
I'm doing good. Very good to hear from you. Great, you know, great example of of another finale that was polarizing. Um, the Sopranos. Oh yeah. Series finale, and we didn't mention that, but uh, I'm curious. I don't know if you watch How I Met Your Mother, but if you want to throw some thoughts in about that, but uh, yeah, as far as series finales goes, what are your thoughts on The Sopranos? Um, well, on How I Met Your Mother, I actually um, TiVo'd it, and I started watching it earlier, but unfortunately, given the fact I'm not used to waking up at 5 o'clock to go to work, um, I kind of fell asleep, so I have yet to watch it. But I'm not really worried about spoilers, so I'm not like one of those, oh, my God, now I know how it ends. I really couldn't care less. I just TiVo'd it because I wanted to see how it ended more than I followed the show. Um. As far as The Sopranos go, I remember when it, uh, when, it, when it ended, social media really wasn't as big as it is now, but there was still what seemed to be a big uproar on how it, um, um, how it just went black. Like, it just it didn't even fade to black. It just went straight to black. Right. A lot of people were like, what's it all about? Like, what is it? And I actually watched this um, small documentary on a filmmaker's view on the reason why it went black, which changed my thought on it a lot, where he explains how the final scene in the diner is seen from Tony Soprano's point of view, the angling, like how it's shot whenever somebody walks into the diner, um, that camera angle changes because you're seeing it from Tony Soprano's point of view and he doesn't see this guy come in because he's more worried like he sees son walk in with him, doesn't pay attention to him. The guy that walks in with son is actually the guy that killed him. And the reason why he goes straight to black is because from Tony Soprano's point of view, he gets shot from behind and dies instantly in front of his family. That's why they dragged on the whole, his daughter taking forever to park and running towards the diner. You see her point of view trying to reach the diner. And, you know, the mother comes in and the son comes in. Tom Soprano dies. He gets murdered in the diner in front of his family. And that's how the series ended. But back then, everybody was just really weirded out. Now, with How I Met Your Mother... Like I said, I haven't seen it, so I can't make an, like, an actual opinion of it. But maybe there's a certain way to see it. Maybe there isn't. But I thought that with the end of Sopranos, now that I see it from a filmmaker point of view, from somebody that explained the reasoning behind it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's cool. And I, and I would recommend, I mean, I, I wouldn't even know how to search it because I saw the, the mini documentary that you're talking about. And it, it was a very interesting way to look at that that last scene and, and i did appreciate a little more watching it however it was a lot for me to think well i was really supposed to get all of that from that i mean for me i didn't like it because first of all i did find it tedious watching meadow try to park that goddamn car right. i mean just park the car um and the other thing uh that that um you know i just kind of took the the cut to black as a Let's keep it open-ended just in case everyone wants to come back for a movie. Right. That's kind of how I took it. And honestly, the little documentary makes sense, but it was a cut to black, so they could have done whatever they wanted. 
Um, but I recommend it for everyone. I mean, Dan kind of touched the surface a little bit, but it, it's also, again, I found it interesting, but it, it seemed like a lot to expect out of your audience that they would pick up on, all right, every time the bell rings on the door, you're seeing the door, and that's from Tony's point of view. So that's, so they're cutting to Tony's point of view every time, and the person that comes in with AJ is wearing a members-only jacket, and there's an episode of Sopranos called Members Only where a guy in a members-only jacket was a, a hitman and killed someone in that episode. So wearing the members-only jacket was symbolic of, you know, the, the, the hitman in that other episode, and then the, the guy in the jacket gets up and goes to the bathroom that happens to be right behind Tony, and then when you hear, when Meadow finally gets her ass into the diner, and you're about to hear, and you hear the bell ring, it cuts to black because Tony was just killed, because every time the bell rings, you're seeing things from Tony's point of view. So, it, it is a very interesting documentary. However, it's tough to think when you're watching like an hour-long episode that in watching this scene, that you would have grasped that Immediately. So it was cool. And it's a TV show. It's not a movie where the entire movie you're expected to pick up on things like this or it's being told in a certain way. You're talking about, you know, a, a TV show where every week you're getting stories presented in, in a fairly straightforward way. And all of a sudden, you pick up on that where any other given week when someone dies, they die and you see it. And you know it. Yes. So to Agreed. me, that cut to black was, hey. Maybe he lived, maybe he died, and you're right. Maybe it was just, well, the creator wants him to die, but just in case he's going to throw a lot of money around to bring everyone back for a movie, we'll leave it open. But it, it was a lot to expect, especially when that's not what you expected from your audience for the entire run of the series. Thank you. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, that was a really interesting. And that was, you know, as we're trying to hit on polarizing finales, uh, that would probably be up there. I mean, I, I remember actually getting in arguments with people who loved it and thought it was artistic. But it's funny. The people who argued that it was great and thought it was artistic, they didn't get the final scene like this, this documentary did. They just, right. they, they think they're artistic. So, good, good, good example to bring up, Dank. Thanks a lot for the call, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. All righty. Easy, brother. Bye. Bye. You know, as far as the uh, the polarizing finales, and you, you brought up Newhart, there's another one that was very similar, uh, St. Elsewhere, which was also one where they said, you know, oh, by the way, none of this was real. In this case, it was uh, all in the mind of an autistic boy who was staring into a snow globe in which the uh, St. Eligius Hospital was, and everything was up in his mind. And that was another one that was polarizing, and who knows what would have happened with social media um, you know, at that time, and I don't remember the uproar. Uproar. I was much younger for that one. Uh, I do remember Newhart and remembering, uh, you know, thinking it was hilarious, uh, not really having a problem with it. Maybe that's because it was a comedy rather than a drama. Saint Elsewhere. That was the boy. Was supposedly, uh, he had autism, right? Right. Is that was supposed to be. Yeah, I, I work with people with autism. Their, their brain would not be like that on the inside. <laughs> it would be a lot scarier and more terrifying. Well, you know, it's actually kind of funny, and not to spoil it, but I guess I got to throw it out there again. Spoiler alert: I don't think that this is a, as big a deal as How I Met Your Mother, but the Lego Movie. Did you see that, Ken? Uh, I didn't, but I heard a lot of good things about it. It was, and I'm going to throw it out there right now. The end of the Lego movie was very reminiscent of St. Elsewhere in that everything right. you watch through the course of the movie winds up being a child's story. He was playing with Lego and, and making this whole thing up as, as he played. You don't find that out till the end. And again, 
I didn't have a problem with that in the Lego movie, maybe because it was a fun comedy, you know, and he had a rip-roaring time. And so what? They're going to tell me in the end this wasn't all real. However, there was a recent movie where I had a similar problem, and it probably is the same New Heart St. Elsewhere dichotomy between comedy and drama. But Life of Pi. Uh, I, I have not seen that. It's been sitting on my DVR for quite okay. some time, but I haven't watched it. Well, Ken, I don't know if I'm going to spoil something here for Go you. Go ahead. I, I'm like Dank. I don't really, right. you know, it, it, certain shows perhaps, but or, I'm, I'm, go ahead. Well, it, in Life of Pi, we're told the story of a boy who survives an incredible journey on a boat with wild animals, including a tiger. It all happened because he was on a much bigger ship that, was, that, that blew up. and He uh, lost family members, and he had to survive and learn how to deal with this tiger and the other animals. And what happened is at the end of this movie, spoiler alert, uh, we're told that basically the the boy on the boat has been telling this story to a reporter. And the reporter says, or maybe it was an investigator. It was an investigator for insurance purposes. And the investigator says, this is all, like, really, you expect me to believe this? This is outrageous. It's outlandish. And he says, well, how about this story instead? And he very quickly rattles off a story about how it wasn't a tiger and it wasn't a monkey and this and that. It was actual people. And there was a bad dude, and there was his mom on the boat, and terrible things happened, and this and that. And then it basically comes out. I think there are people who are debating this. To me, it's completely clear that the quick story he rattled off at the end is the real story. He didn't want to bear it, so he turned it into something else fantastical to avoid the horrific things that happened to people on this boat. And I don't think there's any question that's what happened. But it killed the movie for me. I was enjoying the movie, and I just hate it now. Maybe it's because it's a dramatic story, and they told me at the very end, uh, it wasn't true. We just wasted two hours of your life. It was really... and the funny <laughs> Maybe I won't is, see it now. But here's the thing. Every movie is that. Every movie is a story that someone made up to entertain me. So why do I have a problem with them actually <laughs> telling me, even though you know you're watching a made-up story, we're going to tell you now that we made it up and that wasn't the story in the story, and then I get pissed off and I don't like it. So I may have a problem with that. <laughs> but that's what happened to me with, with Life of Pi, and I could see some people doing the same thing with that St. Elsewhere finale, and maybe it's because you've invested a lot emotionally into this drama as opposed to it being a lighter story. But, uh, yeah, that's one that really pissed me off in the last few minutes. How I Met Your Mother, back to that didn't bother me as much, but they didn't tell me the whole thing was made up. They just told me, well, the reason you've been watching the show is not really what you thought. You know, it's funny because as you're talking about Life of Pi, it reminded me of another. And going back and thinking in, in my mind's eye, and I, you know, I'm not a historian, so, but the first like series finale that I remember being a really big deal was MASH. Right, I remember right. when that finale came, and it's funny because Life of Pi, I remember, oh, and, yeah. and it's funny because to this day, like, there's a scene, and, and Jesus, if this is a spoiler alert, well, I really, I really don't care. Get over it, people. But there's, there's a scene in, in the final episode of MASH where, where Hawkeye's going through therapy, and you find that he's going through therapy because he was in this bus with a mess of people that was stuck behind enemy lines, and everyone had to be quiet, and this woman had a chicken that wouldn't shut up. And the chicken kept making noise, and he, like, kept yelling, shut that chicken up, shut that chicken up. And and you, you find him relaying it in therapy, and I remember having, like, weird dreams and stuff throughout the episode. I mean, it was not a funny episode, no. but 
then we find out as the therapy goes on that the woman, as, as Hawkeye is yelling at her to shut the chicken up, she kills the chicken to, to keep it quiet. But we find out that Hawkeye is really devastated about this because it wasn't really a chicken. It was her baby. And, and he killed, he, the woman killed her baby to save everyone on the bus. And obviously Hawkeye was having a difficult time uh, dealing with that. Which is funny because to this day, many, many years later, if I'm ever out and I see a, a yelling child, I'll just say, shut that chicken up. I do the oh, yeah, same thing. That is insane. <laughs> I was, That's awesome. Here, I was waiting for you to finish the story so I could say that because I do the same thing. That is hilarious. It's funny. I got like my girlfriend does the same thing, and it's just like this code <laughs> thing where like we'll be out at a restaurant or something, and I go, shut that chicken up. <laughs> Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. You know, we're talking about how I met your mother. It has spawned off into series finales, but hell, if you got something else in the pop culture world. You want to talk about? Give us a call. We're going to go back out to the phones because we got a bunch of you on hold right now. And you know we we got Justin online. Let's see what Justin's got. Hey, Justin, how are you tonight? Hi, can I miss you? Miss you too. What do you got for us? What are you watching on TV these days? I watch um, uh, Nickelodeon. You're a Nickelodeon guy. What 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 shows? Like Sam and Cat. That's a good one. You know, I watched that, too, with my kids. We all enjoy it. And I just read something that uh, they're having some trouble with scenes. Um, you're, uh, you're a big fan. Who do you like better? I like um, Kat because she's funny. Yeah. I agree. I hope they come up with a second season. There's a little controversy and some behind-the-scenes things going on. They don't know if they'll uh, be able to do a second one. I guess the, uh, the stars are growing up. But that's a show we all enjoy in my house. I hope so. <laughs> what 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 other shows are you watching on TV? Um, I love uh, Scooby Doo. Oh, so you're you're probably excited. I mean, you're you got to be in a place right now where your worlds are are melding together. I can only look back and think upon myself in 1989 when Prince did the soundtrack for Batman, and I was. Uh, like a pig and you know what you the wrestling world and scooby-doo melding together in in a new you know straight to video movie you have to be excited about that oh yeah have you had a chance to see it yet uh not not yet ken that should be fun that should be a lot of fun all right anything else for us before we let you go you know what ken you, what about that? What about that show called um, the season finale of Ant Farm? Ant Farm. Uh, I didn't see it. Did you? I did I, not. I don't know if I've even heard of Ant. What is Ant Farm? It was a it was a, it was a Disney show, and, and it was a season finale. Did they do something different or unusual in that in that uh, series finale? Oh yeah, they did. Why don't you tell us about that? Why not? It was about um, there was there were trying there was there were there was this girl was singing around she's like goofing around dancing with some person I'm like oh my god I was freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like quite an episode. You bet, Justin. 
You're awesome. Thank you for your support. Uh, give us a call real soon, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. All right, Ken. Take it easy, brother. Have a good night. Ken, you're cool. I know. I rock. Take it <laughs> easy. And they had Justin giving us some. I, you know, I, I, I haven't even heard of the show, Ant, Ant Hill. Ant, Ant Farm. I've heard of it. Ant I Farm. have not seen it. However, i got to say, Sam and Cat is one of those... Uh, you know, live action Nick shows. We're more Nick than Disney people in my house. Again, I have kids between two and eleven, so I, you know, I have a different perspective on pop culture at times. Sam and Cat is a fun show. They took two of the lead characters from two of their biggest series, said, "Let's spit them off together. They'll move in together and have their adventures." And and it's a lot of fun. You know, it's a, a good show. But remember, these are two people who had shows on Nick when they were teenagers. Now they're giving them second shows as they get older. And I think they both kind of want to break out of the Nickelodeon mold at this point. Um, so they're struggling. They had a 40-episode season one, which is huge. I don't know if it's huge for Nick, but, I, you know, I just read about this, so the number's sticking in my head. Uh, I, we don't know if they'll be able to pull out a, a second season of this one. Uh, we'll all miss it, though. It's a fun show. It's funny, man, because, like, as we're talking about TV shows and then talking about what's in as we're in the finale season, season finale season, um, you know, because you're, I'm thinking of the show, like you're talking about the Nickelodeon shows you watch for obvious right. reasons. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I'm watching the following and like, <laughs> it's funny because there, there are times where I am like watching TV and we'll sit, there was one night where we were catching up with the DVR and we started counting homicides and oh, it was boy. getting like dangerously co- close to like triple digits between watching shows like the following. And it, if you watch Walking Dead and you count all the zombies that are killed, and, and the blacklist, it was, wow, I'm watching way too much violence. So there's, there's a, a bit of a, a gap, a bit of a difference between uh, some of the shows right. we're, we're watching. But I'm, I'm heavy on the drama. I know you're, you're big on the, on the comedies on the television. Yeah, I do. We watch a lot of comedies in my house, you know, between the, uh, some of the more mainstream ones that I watch my wife, some of the more offbeat ones that I watch on my own. But, you know, I do have my fill of dramas. Uh, you mentioned Blacklist, which uh, I enjoy very much. And another one, which I've been watching you know, very closely for a couple of years now, Person of Interest. And that's one of the few shows on my uh, you know, talking points list, things that I really enjoy, that is one of the more popular mainstream things. Because I, I catch some of these really out-of-the-blue, uh, you know, kind of off-the-beaten-path shows. But Person of Interest is one of the highest-rated shows on network TV, and it's terrific. Before we get into all that, you know, you mentioned The Walking Dead, and that just wrapped up a season two, didn't it? Uh, yeah, and it was, uh, it, it, you know, it's funny because they had an episode a couple episodes ago that was just an absolutely dramatic, gut wrenching, devastating episode. And and sometimes, you know, with t- television shows, um, it, it's difficult, you know, to to top that, or you know, and it worked dramatically when it happened, and it happened, you know, it should have happened then. Um, so I, it's tough. I don't know if the finale lived up to the, the dramatic tone that was set. However, I thought it was a very good episode. Um, it, it definitely it gave you a cliffhanger. You know, to me, like the, the best finales, especially when it comes to dramas, and this is and we've debated over time, like with with Lost, because you were a big Lost guy. Lost really bothered me. And one of the things that my my big gripe with Lost was always, you know, you. Good shows ask questions, 
then answer but ask new ones. And I always felt like Lost just continued to ask me more questions and never gave me an answer to anything, right. they which would, used to frustrate me. They'd throw you a bone once in a while. We're going to answer the big questions, and they'd answer some, you know, like, kind of offshoot, tangential question, but throw five new ones at you. Yeah, exactly. I thought Walking Dead, like, closed some issues in the finale. They they, they brought some stuff together, needed to be brought together. Um and they, but they definitely gave you a cliffhanger. There's unanswered questions going into next season. Uh, you know where the show is going. It, it definitely has legs. Like I mean, sky's the limit as far as how many years the show can go. And interestingly enough, there's been talk and rumors floating around that they they may do a spinoff. And and the spinoff, quite simply, is just going to be another group of people in another area of the country being affected by the the zombie apocalypse. So. Uh, I think the show is great. Um, again, some people, you know, when you watch a show like that, and I'm curious your thoughts on, on show writing, because I get to a point with a lot of shows, and Walking Dead is one of them, where, like, you know, you start watching a show, you have your, your time period of getting into the show, whether you're going to stick with it or not. And then there's a point where I get to where I'm just going to trust in the writers. They've, they've, they've brought me down the right path for the bulk of the time. So if I see a bad episode, I don't necessarily lose my shit because it, it was a bad episode. And, and I find sometimes, like, especially Walking Dead with social media, like a show will not be as good as others, and everyone's like, oh, that was a crappy Walking Dead. Like, the show is great. I'm, I'm willing to trust in a subpar episode, believing in they're going to deliver the following week. You know what I mean? And so that's like, I, I believe in The Walking Dead, and I think that they're, they're going to deliver on the writing. And, and I thought it was maybe not, you know, this, this gut-wrenching, uh, you know, knock-you-off-your-couch kind of finale. But I thought it was a good, solid season finale, and it shows that uh, this show's got a long way to go and a lot of storytelling to tell. You know, that's an interesting point when you believe in a show, when you believe in the writing, because um, it's hard to find that. Sometimes you have shows that you enjoy – week to week, but when they start going south with the storylines, uh, you know, after a few episodes, you start to think, are they going to turn this around or am I done? Unless it's a show you really believe in. And there were those shows for me, Lost was one of them, that I really did believe in and I stuck with through the Nikki and Paolo debacle and some of the, you know, unanswered questions. And I, I just stuck with it to the end and it paid off for me. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Again, you have a big difference of opinion in the studio here. But um, there, are, there are shows that when you really believe in it, it's worth it. And you sometimes have a, a, an episode that is a setup for what's to come or it just doesn't resonate with you for whatever reason that week. But you know you can trust that it'll come back. Yeah, that, and that's you know, where I am with, with The Walking Dead. I, I'll, I'll trust that show. You know, I, I feel like they're going to uh, give me some good storytelling. There was one episode towards the end of the season that I, I had like – it was one of the first times that I had a big gripe with the writing. Uh, there's stuff that I didn't like in the context of the characters. Daryl's one character that he's just a badass, and he made a mistake. He just opened a door without, like, checking out the window. And that's Daryl Darryl just wouldn't do that. Okay. And all the zombies came pouring in the house. I'm like, Daryl, other people would. Other people make that mistake. Daryl is not the guy that makes that mistake. And it just kind of... That bothered me, and there were other stuff in that episode that kind of bothered me, but it is a show that I continue to trust in the writing. I thought it delivered on 
uh, the the, ser- the season finale. Uh, one season finale that I thought was pretty interesting that uh, just just went on was uh, was Brooklyn Nine Nine, and that's a show that we both watch. Yep. And and it was kind of dramatic in a comical way. Uh, the the main character going undercover, which was interesting in in a comedy. A uh, little, little tugging at the heartstrings at the end there. Yeah. Um, I, I love that show. I, I just, you know, Terry Crews. Of course. T- Terry Crews is, is just the, the greatest Terry man in Hollywood. Yes, but Terry Crews is the man. Terry Crews carries everything. Just look at him. He can carry <laughs> everything. But, uh, you know, I just, I love the show. It's one of those great shows where as much as you have Andy Samberg in the quote-unquote lead, it's all, actually, it's almost like going back and, you know, Ted Danson may have been the quote-unquote lead in Cheers, but that was an ensemble show. And it was what the, the, the main character was the bar. The, the character in this show is the precinct, how all the characters interact with each other. It's an ensemble show. And, and I really thoroughly enjoyed the whole season to the point where when I heard the season finale was coming, I, I, was, I was kind of sad. Yeah, it came up suddenly. You know, it, we were at the end of March. And all of a sudden, I know they're you know on that night of comedy there was there were a couple of things that were off for a month or two, and they're bringing them back and mixing and matching. So yeah, I was sad to see it go, uh, and I'm hoping that it's going to be back. I don't know if it's been picked up yet. You know, last I heard, it was uh, on a bubble, but likely to come back and be given a second season. It's uh, it is a great show, and like you said, you know the it being an ensemble cast set in the precinct. I like the fact that they do take the police work. Uh, Sandberg doesn't take the police work seriously, but they take the the entirety of what they do seriously on the show. There are actual cases that are handled in fairly believable ways, and that's all a backdrop for the shenanigans going on. Uh, another person that I love, and we've mentioned him before, is Joe Latrulio on that show, and he's gotten much more of a role recently from the outstanding uh, sketch comedy show The State from MTV, a lot of other uh, projects besides. But he, uh, they gave him a lot more to do uh, as the season wound down, and he's just terrific. He's a great character, great actor on the show. Yeah, tremendous. And again, it was like one of those things. Like I feel like it's just going to be something missing in in my week. It was, it, it's you know, it's funny, and maybe this is part of the reason why I don't watch a lot of comedies. But I gave this one a chance, and I stuck with it. You know, it, it's one of those shows that I am guaranteed. To laugh, like laugh, not right. smile, not like I really enjoy the Goldbergs, but there's a lot of those episodes that it's nostalgic for me. I'll smile, you know, maybe just, like I know with Brooklyn Nine Nine, I will laugh. I will laugh out loud. I will LOL for real at at some point each and every week when I watch that show, and that's something that you know, especially nowadays, like we we all need to laugh a little more often. It's something that when when I saw the finales coming, like oh man, like I'm, that that's definitely going to be a big part of my week that I'm I'm really going to miss. I'll throw another one at you that I, I laugh out loud every week. Bob's Burgers, another one that I mentioned on this show once before. It's uh, an animated show, uh, Fox Sunday Nights, and it is hilarious. It is, in my opinion, superior at this point to The Simpsons and Family Guy and American Ooh. Dad. It is. A almost a traditional sitcom, which you really can't say about those other shows. Uh, it happens to be animated, so there are certain things you can do, but they are much more realistic characters and a much more realistic family. The kids 
are all lovably insane in their own ways. Uh, you've got an oversexed uh, preteen daughter, you know, maybe tween. You've got uh, a boy who is obsessed with all the right stuff for a boy his age, and a really crazy other daughter. They, the parents have gotten their own characters. They've come into their own, um, and it's just every week, laugh out loud, hilarious. So that's one that's uh, one of those shows that I won't DVR and let it sit. You know, we we talked about binge watching on the show before, and it seems that for me the dramas tend to go week by week, whether I watch them by myself or the ones that I watch together with my wife. The comedies tend to sit for a while. How I Met Your Mother and The Big Bang Theory, those are two that we would watch every week. But everything else that was on our DVR, we seem to watch at least three or four at a time, if not more. Um, you know, we, we might have eight, and then over the course of a week, that's what we watch, and something else builds up. But I do a lot of binge-watching of comedy now, and uh, so I'm caught up on some of these shows, and there are others that, you know, have been sitting for, for quite a while on my DVR. So many things. We're we're hitting like TV in this this season finale season. So what do you guys got to say? Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. We're gonna go out to the phones. We got we're Jersey in the house. How you doing tonight? Call her. Hey, Jersey. How you doing, buddy? How you doing, Pat? Thanks for giving us a call. What do you got for us? I'm joining the show, man. And I got two things for you. I got a. Uh... A season finale that uh, really blew me away, and uh, it, uh, compared to a lot of things in years, it really made me hate a character, like completely hate with no um, room to uh, feel compassionate, was Sons of Anarchy. And uh, I wonder what, if you guys have seen that, if you're fans of that show, but uh, their season finale that they just had was amazing to me. That that You're right. I mean, and, and it's funny because, like, the, the basic cable seasons – are a little bit different, you know. You have season finales sprinkled throughout the year. Uh, that that season finale was absolutely ridiculous. It was one of those moments with and, and screw you with the spoilers. If you haven't seen it yet, you, you should have watched it already. Oh, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> when, when Gemma, you know, hauled off and and just the way that it was, it was so like Romeo and Juliet esque. The way events were were playing out at the end of that episode and. You know, it just, it was one of those things where, like, almost, and, and as a man, and, and, you know, and I know, Pat, like, we're, we're I'm a man's man. Um, right. It's almost like you kind of wanted to cry, but it was actually too shocking to, to even cry. Like, it was, it was almost worse. It went past that, that urge to cry, just to, like, just absolutely emotionally devastated. And when the episode ends with uh, Jack's, holding his his murdered wife uh, just filled covered in blood and just him sobbing and knowing that his mother killed her uh, which uh, as I'm relaying it yeah it's incredibly shakespearean um it, it really was just a, a shocking uh finale and and for my money and people can debate it uh, son's the best show on tv right now yeah they really what i loved about that ending there and with the writing was your emotions, it felt like you were in the corner getting hit with combos in a boxing fight because you wanted, like you said, to grieve for Tara. You couldn't get a chance to because you hated Gemma so much. Then you felt bad for Jax, but Jax is like a guy, when you catch yourself feeling bad for him, you're like, man, this guy's a really evil SOB. It's hard to 
feel bad for him. You know what I mean? Like, snake eyes on him. He had other reasons to go down. But just um, that show, man, it started off where they would have, like, you know, little fundraisers and picnics, and they were getting together on their bikes and drinking. Now these guys can't breathe for five minutes. But it was a fantastic riding there, and I loved the emotional ride. And uh, and I got one, uh, you're talking about what makes you laugh. This one isn't written for anybody that has to be, uh, you know, of a, a, a brilliant mind. But Always Sunny in Philadelphia, I always find that show to be just so stupidly funny that I actually laugh out loud watching that a lot. It's one of those few shows that get me to chuckle or crack up, and, you know, my wife will say, oh, well, you laugh for that. But uh, I think that show is pretty stupid funny, and it's pretty clever at the same time. We're both on board with you there. We're both big fans of that show. And uh, I can't wait for that one to come back again. The thing that I love about uh, the um, Toy Sunny in Philadelphia is is the fact that that show is is really episodic. Like you don't you don't even remotely really have to follow that from week to right. week. I mean, certain things strung together like it's good to know the characters, but I don't really watch that week to week. But I will make sure I catch it. You know, we, we have it set for the DVR. Sometimes it piles up and, and episodes get cut off, but I don't miss them. But you're right. Like, I will definitely laugh during those those uh, episodes. They're so ridiculously stupid funny. But, it, you know, it's funny because it's stupid, but it's, it's, it's good stupid. It's good stupid writing. Right. And uh, I'll give you one to go home on here. I, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen Wolf of Wall Street or ever reviewed it yet. I just saw it, uh, finally, uh, it came on cable, uh, the pay-per-view the other day. I watched it. I thought it was a fantastic movie. I just loved it from start to finish. It didn't feel long to me. It, I felt like, uh, I, it didn't feel like, I think it was almost three hours, and I didn't feel it. I was just so into uh, how crazy it was, and, you know, that's because of Scorsese, I believe. Whenever he puts a movie out there, he just keeps you involved in the characters. And I thought it was just a, a crazy movie. Um, if you're a Wall Street fan or even Godfather-ish or any of those good fellas, I put it in that kind of category in terms of uh, uh, how it engages the audience, and I really liked it. I thought it was pretty good. And I just wanted to hear what, if you guys have seen it yet, what you thought of that movie. Yeah, I did see it, and I enjoyed it very much. It did fly by, like you said. You know, it was kind of long, but it didn't feel it. Um, you know, they, these are, again, we're talking shows like Seinfeld or uh, It's Always Sunny. These are other characters It's really – it's hard to root for, but yet you do. Um, you know, they're not really good guys, but they're fun to watch. You're on their side. You hope things work out. And I'll throw one thing at you from that movie, one of the funniest scenes I've seen in a long time, uh, when Leonardo DiCaprio's character has to save Jonah Hill from choking. Yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was a great scene there, and I just love when they're taking the boat uh, to overseas just to go save their money. It was just a, a crazy drug-fueled adventure. It's more like, kind of like that movie that had um, in Vegas. Uh, what was it? Uh, with Johnny Depp plays the character. He's just like a, he's just a uh, fueled-up drug uh, tour of Vegas the whole time. Fear, I forget the. Oh, I can't remember that. What is it? Fear, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. That's it. That's it. Kind of wasn't as dark as that, but it reminded me of Out of Control guys. But let me ask you about the ending uh, in there. And I guess you know it's. By now, people should have seen that. Is it, is it safe to ask? Yeah, sure. Um, in Wolf of Wall Street, um, I know it's probably obvious, but I was tired near the end, and I was like, okay. When 
when uh, DiCaprio slides a note over there that he says, uh, you know, don't incriminate yourself. You know, pretty much he looks at him, they know, and they go on and on. And then the police come later to his door. Um, was that um, Jonah Hill that gave him up, or it, it, pretty much that we would assume, right? Cops came yeah. in after, and Jonah Hill just made a deal for himself. Right. You know, he uh, Leo made a deal for himself, was supposed to uh, incriminate or get Jonah Hill to incriminate himself, told him silently not to, and then Jonah Hill turned around and did what he had to do to save himself. So, yeah, there was kind of a turnabout as fair play at the end there. And I like it because they spun that great at the end where he's in, he, he even has a line, you know, I forgot that I'm rich because he was living uh, his prison term in the high life, yeah, having a good time in, uh, you know, a country club prison, got out, went on the interview circuit and was okay. And I, I just felt, I didn't think he and Jonah Hill had heat then. Like, I kind of liked the fact that wherever they went off to, they weren't really, uh, you know, mad at each other in a way, in my mind. Uh, and I, I like that. They had a, one of them had to cut a deal, and I think that's when DiCaprio, in the end, took care of his boy his boy in a way. Yeah, I agree. But, uh, it was a great movie. Anyone didn't see it should see it. But, uh, Ken, I love the show, man. It's pretty cool stuff. And I, I did see that mashup episode with the chicken. That's a classic. And uh, I, I'll, go, I'll go home on this note. If you had the Esquire Network, I can't get enough of the old A-Team Magnum PIs and Miami Vices. I've been... Uh, loading up my DVR and all of them. And, wow, we were young when we saw those, you know, most of us. They definitely, when you watch them as an adult, they don't cater, I think, totally to an adult, not the A-team, but it's still a great watch. So if you got that channel and you're in those shows, it's fun to go back in time and see that stuff. Definitely have to go check that out. Pat, thanks a lot for the call, and, and don't be a stranger. Give us a call again. All right, man, I love the show. Be good, guys. Take it easy. Thanks a lot. Real good callers yeah, tonight, definitely. and I still want to go and check out. I love watching the old stuff. I love watching the A-Team because no one ever hit anything. Like, there were bullets flying. I remember they had, like, a very special A-Team. The one episode where Murdoch got shot. Okay. Saving B.A. He jumped in front of a, right. a bullet, and I was like, the one time a bullet actually I, landed. <laughs> Please don't die. Please don't die. I love you. So you know Pity the fool. <laughs> uh. Excuse me. <laughs> Mention came up of the uh, the different seasons that we have, uh, not the traditional uh, September to May season on cable, and that made me think of another season finale that we recently uh, had a few weeks ago, Episodes, the Showtime series starring Matt LeBlanc, and uh, that wrapped up in kind of a fun way and definitely left the door open. I, that's one of those shows that, you know, I enjoy the whole, you know, it's probably half the reason we do this show, but I enjoy like that watching something and then getting to talk about it. And right. fortunately, my, my significant other, we, we have very similar tastes, so we at least can bounce stuff off each other. But I do like that idea of, of going to work and talking to people who watch shows that I watch. And Episodes is one of, that show, one of those shows that nobody I know watches it. And I love it. I think it's, it's such a well-written comedy. Um, you know, it is one of those shows, it's a smart comedy. So right. as much as I said Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I always laugh. I can't say that I laugh. Every time I watch episodes, but I enjoy every every time I sit through those thirty minutes. I, I thoroughly enjoy what's going on, and I will never ever was never the person that would expound the virtues of one Matt LeBlanc and his acting talents. However, his amped up parodied version of himself 
is brilliantly done. He nails it. It's, I mean, he's just great on the show, and I, I've enjoyed the entire run, and, and I'm glad that, you know, it looks like it, it's got a future, but it, yeah. it's, it's been a, I'm curious where it's going to go because it's a cool cliffhanger, especially for comedy, but great show. Right, yeah, it's behind the scenes. You know, and I, I always enjoy getting behind the scenes of Hollywood. That's kind of what we're looking at here. Matt LeBlanc, as you said, playing an exaggeration of himself, which is always fun when you see that, and it's done very well here. If you're a fan of Friends, you know, he's kind of a, a cross between Matt LeBlanc and Joey on the show. I wonder if uh, Matt LeBlanc actually has as much money as they make it seem like he does on the show. Uh, but he's uh, still working. He's working on a sitcom where he's been marginalized. And, um, you know, it's written, adapted from supposedly a brilliant British show into this horrible American sitcom a lot of machinations behind the scenes with the studio, the show, and it's uh, really funny. I do. I laugh at loud at least a couple of times an episode, and then there are other times where you just sit back and enjoy it. You know, it's it's uh, very well written and uh, very funny. Yeah, and it's just one of those shows. Like, I, I mean, I, I it keeps going, so I hope it's finding an audience. You know, it's I guess it's like almost like the little engine that that could, but. Uh, it is something like whenever I ask people, like, do you watch episodes? What? Episodes. Episode of what? Right. No, the show episodes. The show called Episodes? Like, yeah, with, with Matt LeBlanc. Joey? Yeah. What is he? He's Matt LeBlanc. But in the show, he's Matt LeBlanc. <laughs> like, he plays himself in the show? Yes. And it's just kind of, no, I've never heard of it. Like, it's such a good show. So I, that's one of those shows that, like, not a lot of people have heard of, but... I, I really enjoy it. I think it's great. Do you have any shows like out there that you just kind of, you know, you don't know anyone who watches it, but you kind of, you dig it and you wish more people were, were catching on with it? You know, one that I was going to mention uh, in that vein was Community. I think, though, that a lot of people are aware of it and maybe just aren't watching it. I still do, and it looks like it may even be back for another season after barely making it to this one. But I find it hilarious. They do something different and unusual on that show all the time. Whether it's a full episode that's done in animation, which we've seen on other shows, or a Dungeons and Dragons episode. They've had a few paintball episodes. Just very weird things that go on there. That's a great one. I'll actually mention another couple of shows that I think less people are aware of at this point. And they both have ties in their own way to The Walking Dead. A little bit of a segue there. One of them is the show that airs after The Talking Dead, and that's Comic Book Men, which is uh, a reality show set in the comic book shop in New Jersey that's owned by Kevin Smith, the director. It's called Jay and Silent Bob's Secret Stash, and it's just really enjoyable. If you're a fan of pop culture, and especially you know some of the fanboy-type stuff that we enjoy, comic books, superheroes, and that type of stuff, you get a great dose of that week to week to have some uh, interesting people who work there, and you get people coming in with, with their you know secret stashes that they're trying to sell. Um, you get some great uh, surprise guest appearances, which I'm sure are set up in some way, even though they don't say so. But uh, that's a fun one week to week. And uh, the other one that's related in some ways, the host of The Talking Dead, Chris Hardwick, Host a show that's been on Comedy Central for a few months now called At Midnight, which airs, you guessed it, At Midnight, after the Colbert Report. And it's one of those shows, and this is another thing I love, comedians getting to hang out and be funny. And there are a number of shows I've seen like that. The Green Room on uh, Showtime, um, 
you know, even shows like, I don't want to say politically incorrect because they get all types on that show, uh, but there was a show called, um, it's not Inside Comedy, but that's another one that airs on Showtime, which just shows where you get people uh, sitting around being funny. This is uh, in the guise of a, uh, a game show where the points don't matter, uh, but they're handed out anyway. Someone in the end wins the internet. And it's just a half hour of comics trying to be funny, and they almost always succeed. Uh, so those are two that I don't think many people are aware of now, and I highly recommend. Have you seen At Midnight, Ken? I, I also I have not, are and, you, and, and I'm going to have to check it out now. I'm watch? not a big I'm not a big fan honestly, of Chris Hartwick. Okay, I was going to ask you if you watched The Talking Dead. I've tried. I hate him. Okay. Well, <laughs> that, that may be a problem for you on this show. Thankfully, he is not the the focus, even though he's the host. The comedy comes from elsewhere, and it's just finding funny people, comedians as well as the occasional person you don't realize is as funny as he is. Chris Jericho, the wrestler, was hilarious uh, on this show, um, and, and Dominic, Dominic Monan was was great as well as the stand-ups that you constantly get. So yeah, I'd give that one a shot. Yeah, I, I mean it's one of those things with Chris Hartwick, and maybe it's just the show in general. Maybe it's the way they do. It. Like I, I'll watch The Walking Dead, and I'm all about all the themes in this, and then. Oh, that like that was that was really interesting in the way they you know and even getting into the filming and the way they shot that and even times where I've watched episodes where you know there've been episodes where they they for whatever reason the camera work that they really focus on on the zombies' faces and, and in some way it's like they're trying to humanize the the zombies and and you know there's these things that I pick up on and then like Talking Dead starts like hey let's count how many zombies we're killing tonight's episode okay. <laughs> and then there's like a a counter that goes on and just you know, like I I don't know like when I think Talking Dead like I want to actually I don't want a, a comedy show I want right. to actually sit down and you stay dissect the episode now I get it and I get as far as Society goes like it's probably more marketable to be marketable to be a little bit lighthearted uh, after that, but I, I I find him annoying. But uh, I'll, I'll give the the at midnight a, a whirl, if you there will. You go. The one show that I you know and and it's funny because you know you go through these seasons and Pat bringing up Sons of Anarchy that was a tremendous season finale and I forget like it's in this year even though it's a shorter season, um, but in in this the actual season finale season, right. this, this time of year. Um, and it, it's interesting because it's a show that a lot of people haven't heard of, and I don't, I don't, I, I don't get any water cooler talk out of this show. Uh-huh. Uh, Banshee uh, on Cinemax is just a, a phenomenally entertaining show, and it's got, it, it's just, it's, it's it's a drama, but it's it's kind of over the top. If you don't watch Banshee, it's a show that starts off and it begins with an ex-con who comes to this this city of Banshee looking for his his ex-woman, and of course, coincidentally, when he stops in the local bar, a couple of bad thugs come in and they shoot and kill this other guy at the bar who happens to be the new sheriff coming into town. But nobody knows what that new sheriff looks like, so this guy assumes his identity. The ex-con assumes his identity, just trots into town like, hey, guys, I'm the new sheriff, and kind of acts like a small-town sheriff, but has like, a, you know, he's a criminal. So he like, <laughs> so whereas other cops in their, their small little police station want to do things by the book the way police officers are supposed to do it, he just goes out for justice, and if someone 
you know, someone beats up their wife, he goes and beats the hell out of them. Like it's, and but his ex-woman lives there. She she has a new husband, a new identity, a new family, and her dad is a crime lord that is hunting them down because they stole diamonds. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff. There's also a crime lord that lives in Banshee that causes a whole bunch of stuff. But every single episode, it is just your gratuitous hour. Okay. There's always sex. There's always sex. There's always violence. And it's just a fun, like, again, it's a drama, but it's it's gratuitous. But it's not, like, gratuitous where you're like, oh, not again. It just, it, it, it works. And their season finale this year was phenomenal. They closed some really serious storylines that needed to be closed. Uh, they didn't let it drag on for too long. Uh you know, they, they opened up some new questions. Uh, it, it just was, it, it was borderline the perfect season finale. It, it did everything it should do. And again, it's one of those underrated shows that I feel like I'd love to be going into work saying, oh my God, you guys watched Banshee last night? And I find most people haven't even heard of it. Right. I mean, I've heard of it being someone who watches most of his movies on those networks. It sounds like what you'd expect for Cinemax to go ahead and do an original series that's not as usual late night Cinemax stuff, and it sounds like a lot of fun. You know, it's uh, I, I might have to give that one a shot. Yeah, it, it, it's a blast, and I it's another show that like when the finale happened, like it's it aired on Friday nights, and usually I wouldn't watch it Friday nights, uh, go out a lot, but it usually was our Saturday like if we didn't have anything to do our Saturday morning slash afternoon show. And, and I, I kind of missed it. Like, after the finale, I was like, oh, we don't have Banshee to watch on Saturday. So uh, I'm definitely going to miss that. So, you know, there you have it. I mean, we can go on and on about TV. And, and you guys who called in were great. We'd like to – We it's amazing. We got about 20 minutes left, and we had, like, do we have enough things to talk about? And you guys called and gave us a lot of great stuff. One thing I'm curious, I just wanted to hit on this, some of the news – uh, that, and who knows what's true, what's not, circulating rumors throughout the, uh, the stratosphere, the Internet, the, the blogosphere, everything that's floating around out there. Um, rumors with, with one Mr. Harrison Ford that as, as time goes on and perhaps uh, he's getting older and maybe can't do an Indiana Jones, another Indiana Jones, that there, there's talk, perhaps, of recasting Indiana Jones and oh God no that 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 gets right under my skin. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of of recasting. I mean, when you when you reboot franchise, I guess, but Indiana Jones is Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones. I I just I don't know. I can't. That that really bothered me when I heard that report this week. You know, I, I, there have been rumors, the rumors stemming from uh, what Frank Darabont might do. He, uh, the great writer who is going to be part of it, he says now that he is not necessarily a part of the next movie. There is going to be a next movie, and that's, first of all, the thing that surprised, surprised me off the bat. Ken, you have your strong opinions about Indiana Jones 4. I intentionally did not see it after hearing what everyone had to say about it, but the fact that making a 5 surprised me. Um, and yeah, like you said, you know, the longer they wait uh, to get this thing in motion, the less likely it is that Harrison Ford will be Indiana Jones. This reminds me of um, what I can only imagine people were saying when Sean Connery was replaced as James Bond. 
And this maybe is the closest thing you can you can come to uh, replacing Harrison Ford at this point. Is it's not a reboot; it's a continuation, and we just need a new guy to play the lead. And we're going to continue telling stories in the same timeline, and it was just a new person playing the role, and in that way, Indy can go on forever. Which I guess I understand. There's only so long Harrison Ford can do it if they continue to make movies. My question is, do people really want to see another one at all? The the thing is with Indiana Jones, and, and this is where, in my opinion, they missed the boat. Four was terrible, and it's rare. And you know, Todd and I, we we talk, we're, we're similar. If we go to the theater to enjoy something, we'll generally enjoy it. We're kind of easygoing guys, right? You know, it's rare that I go to the theater really wanting to like a movie, and I hate it. Um, I might be disappointed a little bit, but I generally go and enjoy it. And I was really looking forward to just this recapture my youth kind of feeling. I like I went to see Indiana Jones, the, the, the fourth one, with an attitude of, I'm going to kind of recapture my childhood for a couple hours. Like, I'm going to go in there with a... I'm not going to over-examine stuff. I'm not. I'm just going to enjoy another swashbuckling adventure with Indiana Jones. And I just, I found myself rolling my eyes a lot. I didn't like the story. I didn't. I, I didn't like the plot. I, I hated the casting of Shia LaBeouf. I think Shia LaBeouf's niche is the reluctant hero. I think he does that very well, that panicked, uh, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but somehow I come through kind of, you know, uh, very Patrick Dempsey in the movie Run. Okay. You know, that, that's, that's like Shia LaBeouf's niche. Shia and Transformers, you know. Yeah, kind of just, just, you know, oh, God, I'm so ill-prepared to deal with the, right. the crap that's raining down upon me. Like in his life. Yeah, exactly. He, he played more of a adventurous, swashbuckling-type hero, a guy who would seek out adventure and... It almost seemed like in watching the movie that there was an intention of not recasting Indiana Jones, but perhaps using this movie as a vehicle to go forth with another indie-type character, with with Shia LaBeouf playing the lead. However, the movie blew chunks, so there was no way that they were going to attempt to sell that character going forward in, in another movie series. So as they try, again, it's Hollywood, and they're looking to make money. And I like I like you're saying I get it I get why they might want to do that but I it's just too iconic a figure and like you said you know it's it's the same timeline it's the same like I would almost love to see like what's a seventy something year old Indiana Jones like like what what is what does he do like write a good script and let's see what Indiana Jones at that age would do. Again, what what I've seen is that Harrison Ford is happy to do that. He likes the idea of this older indie who is less about the action, but the same character, the same, you know, thinking archaeologist getting into adventures just in maybe a less physical way. And he's on board as long as the right script comes along. What I'm wondering is, having seen four, Ken, do you think they should let it die or try to redeem the franchise? See, now that's the question. And, And... I don't think you redeem the franchise recasting, especially right. after four. Right. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I I think rescuing the franchise is not necessarily a bad idea. I mean, I loved the final Rocky. I mean, Stallone, Stallone, I think, in recent history, rescued two franchises. Right. Because I, I think the final Rambo and the final Rocky 
wrapped up those franchises in, in great ways that, that almost helped to, you know, I, I don't say, look, don't get me wrong. I love all the Rockies. I enjoyed all of them for different reasons, and I enjoyed all the Rambos. However, I get it. You know, the Rocky 1 and 2 were really the, the great movies, and they started to decline from there. I think the final Rocky, Rocky Balboa, kind of helped absolve the sins of maybe some of the other movies, and it, and it brought the franchise together. I know Stallone had issues with uh, Rambo kind of helping the beginning stages of Al-Qaeda in, in the third Rambo, and that was by far the weakest Rambo of those three. I thought the fourth movie was a very solid movie and, and brought some closure to that character. So there is something to be said for these guys you know, going forward in Hollywood being able to rescue a franchise. I would like to see them do it. And again, I think it would be cool seeing an Indiana Jones as as an older character just to see, you know, what he would do. I think you could have made something work with with Shia both. It just that script didn't work at all. You could have a younger protege that is helping. Out. Hell, find Short Round and bring him back. How old is Short Round now? Right. Let's bring him back. But I I don't know. I I'd, I'd like to see Harrison Ford. I mean, I think the the biggest thing with that and you brought up the, the really good point of it being the same storyline and time period. Like you're not you're not flashing back. You're not. It's it's the same story arc. Right. Like right now we're hearing obviously that we may have a different story going forward with Star Wars. Right. You know if if you know in the future we have like Episode Seven coming up. There's going to be standalones. If you wind up casting a younger actor to play a younger Han Solo, I'm okay with that. If you're going to do movies like that, if you're going to do a movie that's a standalone where, you know, it's about Chewbacca and Han's early adventures, I'm cool with that. But again, if they do episode seven and look like we're going to get someone different to play Han Solo, no, man, like that, you need Harrison Ford in that part. And I think that's where... If you go different time periods, sure, recast. But if it's in the same story arc, that, that's difficult to do with these, these iconic characters. But, you know, you hear all the rumors about Star Wars and who may or may not be in the cast. But it's, it's, it's interesting to start, like, you know, getting those, 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 those flutters and those feelings that we, we, have, uh, we have new Star Wars coming down the pike. Yeah, we, we've gone through that before. Some people were not as thrilled as I was, as Ken was. We enjoyed the new trilogy, but we did have this before, and I'm excited again. And, it, you know, like you said, as long as they're going to be in the future, and the timing of this has worked out perfectly, although it's not confirmed, it seems to be all but confirmed, that Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, and Carrie Fisher will be in the new Star Wars. And from what I've heard, uh, it's not going to be any of the stories that have been told through other media, through books or video games or comics or anything. They will be new stories, but based on most likely the characters that have been spawned in some of these other uh, media. But what's great is it will be told 30 years in the future, 30 years after Return of the Jedi. And what do you know, all of these actors are 30 years older than they were when they made the last movie. So it's worked out great. And no matter how big or small their parts are, I'm excited that that will work. I'm curious to see what they're going to do with uh, the actual story and what they might do with the children of some of these characters and anybody else 
in the movies. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm excited. I mean, anything Star Wars, you know, and, it, and it's funny. Like, I mean, George Lucas, it's like, you know, I don't know. He could take a dump on a plate and, and I'll pay $10 for it. You know, it's just like it's, uh, you know, anything to do with Star Wars, it's uh, I'm, I'm going to take it. I, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. The one thing I'm actually curious about is uh, Carrie Fisher. Right. I mean, as we've seen the characters age, you know, they've aged pretty well. I mean, most of them. But uh, Carrie Fisher, especially with, with the voice. I mean, uh-huh. she, I mean, uh, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> You're my only hope. Right. I, I mean, she's really got kind of a smoker's voice. They're going to wind up dubbing in, like, old Carrie Fisher audio. But um, it, it's exciting. The one thing I actually want to see, and spoiler alert, but uh, that, that was uh, talked about in, in – uh, I don't know if there's any novels, but I know it's a comic book, um, The Death of Chewbacca. Okay. And uh, that's something for me that, I mean, that's a significant <sighs> character, and that's something that I'd like to see uh, brought to life on the screen. Uh, it's something, not that I want, I love Chewie. I mean, we all love Chewie. Right, but We don't want to kill him. No, but, but I think if, if, if he's been killed in the Star Wars universe, then he, he deserves that climactic, death scene that we can we can see him being a hero and dying for Han and Leia's kids. So that's one thing I'd hope for. But, you know, it's, it's under wraps, and we really don't know what, what this plot might be. Yeah, we're seeing some of the actors being considered, one that's been hired, but we don't know for what yet. Um, and I have read, especially when the novelizations came out, um, not, not the novelizations of the movies, but the new books. So this is in the early 1990s. I read a number of them until they started coming out so frequently that I just decided I wasn't going to keep up. I've played a couple of the video games, not many, but a couple over the years. And I'm aware of some of these uh, characters. I know that in the future, according to current Star Wars canon, that Han Solo and Princess Leia get married and have three children. uh, Twins plus a third, and uh, some of them are being trained as Jedi. Luke Skywalker has a son, Ben, there, there may have been something at some point, I believe, where one of Han and Leia's children turned evil and another one had to come and try to rescue. Uh, and there have been a lot of great stories that apparently they will not be telling because they happened too soon after. Uh, again, in those books, there were some great things that happened. I mean, just because the Emperor has died and his space station with him does not mean that all of the bad guys are gone. But they're not telling that story. They're going much further down the road. So we don't know... What's going to happen? I would anticipate that we're going to see Jedi and Sith. I'd be disappointed if, uh, if we didn't. And, you know, it's Star Wars. There will be lightsabers, and there will be spacecraft, and it will be great. It's just that we don't know what the stories will be at this point. And, and that's okay, too. I, whether it's the characters we know or not, the one thing, and it's funny because, I, like I said, I haven't read all the books and the comics and all that, but I would hate for them to blow up too much of it and start over and say, well, there's so much that we're going to tell something totally new, and maybe it'll go against what's been done before. I hope that with all of the effort that's gone into continuity of the Star Wars universe over the years, that they at least continue that continuity in the new movies. They can tell new stories, but don't mess with the stories that have already been told, not just in the movies, but elsewhere. And that's important because we're looking at it like, and I and I understand some of the criticism of the new trilogy. I get it. We're we're not as, as harsh. I mean, we enjoyed it. I enjoyed the trilogy. I enjoyed it for different reasons, um, but but I I enjoyed that trilogy. Um, but now we're looking at Disney, 
Right. And, and what does Disney do now? Does Disney just turn around and say, F it, I could give a damn about like the other stuff, and we're just going to make a Star Wars story and make lots and lots of money? Or do they make maintain that continuity? I think that's a big thing, and, and it would be a bad mistake. I mean, as much as you know, people will criticize the, the new trilogy, but and I'm not, you know, I, I consider myself a pretty big Star Wars fan. I, you know, I, I can't say though that I've read, like you said, read everything in it. But the stories you heard about what happened before Episode Four, when when you were a kid and you saw Star Wars and, and what you heard. Storyline-wise, the the second trilogy stayed pretty constant. Like that's that's what you you heard that that you know Anakin was turned to the dark side. You you heard you know that that uh, about the Clone Wars. You right. heard about the the, the, the lava fight. Right. You know these are all things you heard about, and the continuity was was there. Now I don't know if there's anything in those movies that directly contradict, but for me the storytelling at least was consistent. And that's what I liked. I, I liked being able to see the story be told. Um, that will, I'll have a problem. Well, there's no doubt that the story will be consistent with what the movies have done. It's just, and you know, they're, they're the different Star Wars fans. They're the young kids that are all about the Clone Wars cartoon and they don't even know necessarily all the stories that we are, that we grew up with. <gasps> they, they may not. Sacrilege. Uh, then there are fans like us that love the movies, love anything that we've encountered about Star Wars, and then there are the real hardcore fanboys, and they're the people that might get alienated if they go against anything that's come up in the Star Wars universe. I'm talking about, you know, well, there was this PC game in 2002 where this character killed, and if they go against that, there are a certain segment of Star Wars fans that will be upset. I will be upset for them because I understand what a great, terrific job they've done and what a huge universe there is here. And I, I just hope that they stay true to what the, the stories they told already, not just in the movies but elsewhere. For me personally, as long as we have continuity with episodes one through six, I'm good to go. Yeah, I, I just can't wait. I mean, it's just, just to me, as we're doing the show here in this uh, great, majestic studio and, and I'm, I'm sitting there watching my my yoga yoda figurine like right on the desk here as we're doing the show i mean it's 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 american folklore i mean it, it really is just it's the closest thing to uh folk tales and stuff that that we had that was created during our lifetime it's something that is ingrained in us and and you know like you're saying with kids and stuff i mean we're it and honestly that's why like todd myself like us like we're the greatest generation ever of all time so and the last great generation, um, because we grew up with Star Wars, and that's really why. That's all. That's all that, you that, need, that right? is all. I mean, but it is. It's so intertwined in you know our lives and and what you know mattered to us growing up. I mean, oh, yeah. you, you know, most kids who are our age, you know, who are right around <laughs> that when they think back to their childhood, there was like, you know, the debate on on. I remember having the debates on the playground. You know, was Vader lying? Right. And, and you know, you had two camps on the on. I was, yep. I thought he was telling the truth. I was in that camp that night. No, that that's why it was, he said it. But some people said he was lying, and it wasn't. You know, there was, to, have, to have the baddest bad guy ever actually be able to be saved. I mean, that was huge for us. And you know, of course, it turns out he was telling the truth. But he he was able to be saved, and that was huge. I mean, it's there's no doubt that this is one of the most uh, evil per- people. One of the best bad guys in all filmed them and you know 
yet he was able to be saved. That was terrific when we were kids. And it's amazing because being kids, like, you know, nowadays things become more and more benign. I mean, when you think about it as a kid, you know, I saw Star Wars. I was like five, five or six years old when I saw it. And it's like one of the first things, like, you see – you see Vader come on the screen and it's just immediately like, God, I, I may have just pissed myself. Like that's the scariest thing I've ever seen. And then, then he lifts someone up, chokes him to death and throws his body against the wall. And it's like within the first five minutes of seeing Vader, it's like th- th- he is evil incarnate. And then, like you said, then in the end he winds up being saved. So it's, it, it's just something special for us. And, and yeah. now going forward that it's going to be uh just a new set of movies. It's like fingers crossed. Hope they don't, you know, blow it. But I, I'm pretty excited. We might have to do. You know, we got less than two minutes left. We may have to just do a Star Wars episode. Uh, I think we certainly need to do it. We certainly are capable of doing it, and uh, I think that would be. Yeah, I mean, especially as more and more stuff comes out. But you know what? Head on over to the Facebook again. It's TKRS presents Pop Life. You got some ideas for like themed shows? By all means, you know, put something on on the Facebook. Tell your friends to go over and like it. You know, we do this once a month, and uh, check it out. We're always popping neat and inter- uh, popping on neat and interesting stuff uh, from pop culture on on the Facebook. So head over there and check it out. We got about one minute left, Todd. Good time tonight. Yeah, this was uh, stuff going on now and, and throughout the next month, month and a half. So we'll be on top of that as the show goes forward. And uh, of course, as the summer movie comes, the summer movie season comes, we'll have to talk about all of that as well. Yeah, big time as we next show is going to we're already going to be in, in May, and you got a summer season where we got movies like Captain America, X Men, Planet of the Apes, Hercules. Are you kidding me? This summer is going to be geektacular. So when May time rolls around, we're going to have to dissect what this summer movie season is is looking like. I mean, it's one of those things. Captain America is coming out this weekend. It's right. like the summer movie season early April is, is starting in April, yep. but it, this is going to be a tremendous year and a tremendous couple of years for movies. So thank you all for tuning in. You guys rock tonight. Thank, thank you, you so much for giving us a buzz. We'll see you next month. For Todd, I'm Ken. Take it easy, everyone. Have a good night. Goodbye.